Jesus reminds me I belong to Him. This is who I am. I'm rescued and redeemed. I was purchased by the Lamb, forgiven and set free. Sin has been defeated. A new life's been created. Everything I have is in His hands. This is who I am. Good evening, everybody. So good to have you all tonight. I think we're going to have a wonderful evening. I think we're going to have a very, um, very productive evening. Uh, and as always, I would like to start us out with a word of prayer. So, dear Lord, we just come to you tonight humbly asking for your blessing on this broadcast this evening. I just pray that it'll be a, a blessing and it, you'll minister to everyone, everyone who hears it, Lord. Um, thank you once again for this opportunity. Thank you for putting this idea in the proverb guy's, Proverbs guy's head for me to be doing this. And I just pray that um, your spirit will be with us tonight. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. All right. All right. I trust that everyone had a good Tuesday. Everyone had a... Um, we have a special guest with us tonight. Um, and this is a man that I discovered on YouTube probably about a year ago. Um, I, I just happened to stumble across him on YouTube. You know, YouTube suggests videos and somehow they know who you might like to see. And um, just as with Samuel, who was on last week, I just stumbled across Eli. He was giving his testimony on growing up Amish. And I was fascinated by that because uh, up to that point, I really didn't know anything about the Amish. Um, I don't live in Amish country. I live in Metro Atlanta. So there's not too many of them around here. Um, but uh, I was just. Oh. Uh, Eli, can you try leaving and coming back? You don't hear me at all? Um, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty. Hold on. Proverbs guy? You may have to go into the settings tab, Eli. And in settings tab, you can go to audio and see what your setting is at for a speaker. I don't know if he can hear us. Okay, he left. I think he's going to come back. We got you guys. <laughs> you what? We got him. <laughs> you guys thought Mr. Yoder was going to stay for an interview. Nah, we'll get it figured out. We'll get it figured out. All right. Hey, can you hear, hear me? us now, sir? I hear hey. you. Yes, now I can hear you. I hear you, you Eli. <laughs> yes. All right, take it away, Ryan. Now, are you able to hear us? Were you able to hear us the whole time? No, I could not earlier. Okay, okay. Well, I basically, um, I'll start back at the beginning. I said a word of prayer, and then I um, told everybody about how I discovered uh, your channel about a year ago on YouTube. And, um, you know, YouTube just suggests a video, and it's like, it just pops up and, and you, your video that piqued my interest was growing up Amish. Mm -hmm. 
anything about the Amish because I don't live in Amish country. I live in Metro Atlanta, so we don't have a lot of Amish around here. <laughs> so I was just very intrigued to hear your story. And um, then I just started watching. I subscribed to you and started watching you. And I was just so uh, I'm so impressed by your boldness and the authority with which you speak God's word. It's just really inspiring to me. And you've even had people that you've interviewed who have escaped the Amish, um, including one one young lady named Liz Liz Byler, who I was so impressed with her testimony that I, this thing right here, I take it wherever I go. I had her make this for me and as well as several other people, including including these guys right here, three Heath brothers, they each got one. And so naturally you've had quite an influence on me, brother Eli, but uh, if you'd like to tell us a little bit about your story, uh, growing up, maybe just a little reader's digest. How, how, do you have, do you have much time tonight? Do you have like 30 minutes, an hour? Or? Yeah, I got about 45 minutes. I can spare here. Okay. Oh, he cut the difference, Ryan. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, we can do a lot in 45 minutes. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about your background and growing up Amish and everything? Yeah, I come come from a very conservative old order Amish. We, we, we did not like the label Schwarzenegger, but we pretty much had the same dress code and the same rules as the Schwarzenegger Amish. But at a very mm. young age, I was very prideful, believing that we were the special chosen people that God would favor us because we had more rules than even other Amish communities did. So yeah. at a young age, I obviously believed what I was taught, you know, that you had to live that lifestyle in order to please God and get into heaven. It was 100% workspace, you know, rules. I never heard yes. uh, a, a salvation message any at any time in my Amish life until I left the Amish and uh, turned 18 and left. So I never really knew what, what, what it meant to be saved. I didn't know anything about the true meaning of why Jesus died, why God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross because he loved the whole world so much. I never heard those messages, but what I did hear a lot growing up was that, you know, we are the uh, special people, you know, we must be yeah. Amish in order to please God. So we heard that all the time. Now, when I left, I didn't, because of what I went through, spiritual abuse, I call it, I, I ran from God. Anybody that tried to share the gospel, anybody that mentioned church, Jesus, God, Bible. I, I ran the other way. I didn't want to hear it. So for 19 years, that's what I did. I, I was a little Jonah. I was running from God. And I mm -hmm. thought that if I just lived my life the best way I know how, the, as I please, you know, in the flesh, yeah. live, live yeah. how I want, that I would certainly find peace. And I always came up empty. I, it just never, it, there was not enough alcohol. There was not enough drugs. There was not enough sex. There was not enough things of this world that would bring me that peace that I was looking for. I always ended up empty. And then I, I got a bankruptcy it, later on. And that is when I realized my way really ain't working. Maybe <laughs> I should try God. Yes. <laughs> so I, I picked up a Bible. I started, I became a truck driver because I had lost everything I had. And then I mm -hmm. picked up a English written Bible. Now in the Amish, we had a uh, Martin Luther, 1522, Martin Luther, German Bible. Now, mm -hmm. the Old Order Amish taught that it must be the German, but most of them can't even interpret and translate that for you, but they tried to preach out of it. And so, because I wasn't allowed to have an English Bible, I now, for the first time, decided in 2017 that I would now pick up an English written Bible and, and read it, because my, my cousin was challenging me, hey, you know, I know you're a mess right now, you're confused about what where you, where you want to go next, and I picked it up and started reading it. And God just showed me so much in that in that Bible that 
you know, I wasn't even in a church building. I'm in a semi truck. And so mm -hmm. I got saved just reading the word of God. And that is why yeah. uh, I preach the way I do with zeal. I say yeah. it the way it is because God allowed yeah. my testimony to play out that way. Amen. Amen. So is that around 2017? Uh, yes, got, 2017, which was 19 years after I had left the Amish, yes. You know, I've noticed a pattern, and this is interesting. It's like God is really beginning to move. I've noticed um, there have been several people who said that I was not right with God, and sometime in the late 20-teens is when God grabbed hold of them. There's you, uh, Joe Kirby, said that he got right with God in 2019. God chastened me in 2019 and started getting me right with him that year. And it's like, it's like I'm seeing so many people who right around, right around that time, uh, 2017, 18, 19, 20 is when Holy Spirit said, you know, the time is coming and I, and I want to get you all ready. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, um, and so if you want to tell us a little bit more, um, Eli, about where you are today and, um, you talk about your family and um, I know you'd see your mother like once a year and you have to take all these precautions when you see her. Um, so yeah, feel free to whatever you want to share with us. Yeah, that's been, that's been a frustrating uh, thing is, is trying to, you know, still love my mother and sh just show up, even though there, there's just so much that I have to meet as far as her rules and requirements in order to visit her. Uh, thank God that I can still visit her one time per year, but you know, I, I do wear my Amish clothing. That is what she told me before I left the Amish, that if any of us siblings was to leave, that, you know, that we would be viewed as condemned. So therefore, if we came back, we would have to wear the Amish clothing in order to visit. And we have to park our car next door. We can't drive onto the property. So I always follow those rules and I go out and she uh, she she told us, me and my younger brother that also left, that just one time per year, just limit, you know, because she doesn't want any backlash from the church but at least she allows us to, to visit, you know, one time per year. So what I did when I got saved, when I when I came to the knowledge of the truth, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 was just really something that I had to share with my mom. So I go mm. out and I have an English written Bible, you know, and I sit down and I, I visit it for maybe five to ten minutes. And then I asked mom, I said, uh, I have some scripture I want to share with you. I, I came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, praise God. And I said, he touched my heart when I was reading the Bible, but I didn't quite get to sharing it with her yet. And she just cut me off and she said, son, that is very, very. Now she's speaking German. She's the Pennsylvania Dutch language, was which is a German dialect. And mm. she said, that is very prideful, son, to claim that you're saved. You must have an ordinance. You must have the rules. And she didn't want to hear too much about the salvation. So I kind of backed off a little bit. I didn't want to be too forceful. So every year that I go out, I, I share yeah. a little bit of scripture about salvation just to hopefully, and then I pray, I pray under my tongue even while I'm speaking with her, because when I go mm. home, that seed that was planted, I want God to just cause her maybe to have a sleepless night that night and search yes. those scriptures I shared herself and see if God can just maybe, maybe reveal some truth to her. Because in person, that seems prideful to her, but at least I share a couple of verses just to let her kind of think about it. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's ironic that she claims that it's prideful to know that you're saved. It's it's really her own pride that thinks that her good works will get her to heaven. Yeah, it's just ironic. Um, Dustin, I hope you can come back. 
<laughs> I have a question if I could. Yeah, please. So I, okay. I grew up, uh, my mom was Christian or is Christian. And my dad was Hebrew. He passed away. Um, so I grew up with the Hebrew side and when I got older and I left the faith too, for about eight years. And, uh, when I came back to the faith, I first came through the Hebrew roots. Um, and from what I've observed and, and studied for the Amish community, it's sort of similar. It's very, very work-based salvation. And, uh, they think they're also the chosen people because of all the works they do. But they also connected to genealogy. They firmly believe that they are all the lost tribes of Israel. And I was wondering if there was some kind of connection for the Amish in that way to tie them into the chosen people. Yeah, yeah. They believe they were the chosen people. Even occasionally, it wasn't very often, but I did hear the 144,000 come up, which now studying the Bible, I can I can tell you with certainty that that is the uh, Jews and it's the, from the 12 tribes of Israel. But I do remember at a, at a young age, this was very when I was very young, they used to talk about this and I heard it in a few uh, sermons on Sunday. But it all went away in my teenage years when there ended up being clearly more than 144,000 Amish people. So that kind of dissipated, you know, it just kind of had no more, more no more uh, value that you didn't really hear it preached. But they still would teach that uh, they were the special people because of their ordinance, because they kept the original traditions and values that were inherited by their forefathers that Jacob Amon had started when he started the Amish religion. And he wrote these articles of faith. And as I just before I left the Amish, as I listened to more of the sermons that they were preaching, I realized that the articles of faith that were were written by their forefathers, those rules and it's called cherry picking the scriptures. They had certain scriptures they would use. But it was something that they had hung on to. And I can, now I call it kind of a replacement of salvation. They put mm. their security in those rules, in that ordinance. And that is why I was told by my mom and other Amish that in, in, the, in the community that, well, Eli, it's very prideful just to say that you're saved. That means you can just sin freely. And basically they claimed I have a license. to. I just use my salvation as a license to say in my sin and live of the world and have clothes like this on. So, so it, what, what it is, is, is they, they put their security in that and those rules, they believe that that is what aligns them with God. They're God's yeah. church, they believe. So if the church votes on every single rule, you know, the, the, the dress code, how long your cuff on your shirt has to be, you can't have a lay down collar. All of those rules that are voted on and you ba- get baptized at age 17 going on 18, then you make the oath that you swear to follow God's church, the Amish. You make mm-hmm. that between the church and God. So now you can't break that. So that is where they put their security in that. If you make that, they believe you are making it to God. So you should never break that. So it doesn't matter if somebody leaves and breaks that and then claims to be saved. That has no value to them. So, yes, I heard a lot of preaching about being the special chosen people. And again, the 144,000 kind of went away when there was more than that. But that just kind of gives you an idea where they kind of put their faith in is to keep like the Ten Commandments talks about uh, thou shalt honor your father and your mother. And it's the only commandment that comes with a promise that we should be blessed with long life. They take that one more serious than any other commandment in the Ten Commandments. So they take the ordinance and its rules and they say honoring your father and your mother is to keep that tradition. Yeah. Welcome, Brett King. Good to see you. Um, hey, yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, I think that the most important commandment is 
the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I had broken that commandment and I didn't realize it until earlier this year. I had made an idol out of a person. I had put a person on a pedestal and all I cared about was being friends with that person instead of my relationship with Jesus. And so he, what he did is he uh, knocked that person right off that pedestal and it broke my heart when it happened, right. but my heart needed to be broken. It needed to be so God could begin fixing it. So he could begin fixing it back the way he wants it to be, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us, Brett. We are talking with Eli Yoder, former Amish, now a, now a man who's on fire for the Lord. Uh, do you have any questions for him, Brett? No, just uh, how long has it been and uh, what was that like? Well, it, it's been since 2017 as a truck driver. I was reading in my truck when it, when it happened. And what it was like is peace and joy. I remember when I, uh, for example, I was in, in the book of John when I got saved. And I remember stopping reading and asking myself, why do I all at once just want to read more and find out more? Like something was no longer the way it used to be where I wanted to just ah, I'll speed read a couple verses. Maybe they'll please God and then go back to watching my porn or whatever have you. And so I wanted more like I was all at once. There was a thirst and there was a hunger. So I started yeah. writing these verses down. I went in John. I, I go through John. I go through <coughs> Acts. I go through Romans. And then when I got to Ephesians, I had written down verses that meant something to me. And in, in Romans five, six, I found something that was the same as pretty much as uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And when I both read them, I literally came out of my semi-truck and I shouted and praised God. And I said, hallelujah. And I found another truck driver and he looked at me like I was crazy. I said, do you know where you're going if you die today? <laughs> and uh, that, that verse in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And then he goes on to say, you know, it's a gift of God, not of works. And then I cross-reference that to Romans 6 or Romans eleven six, where it says, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. And man, when that clicked in my mind, I come unglued. <laughs> yeah. Amen. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, what I've told people about you, Eli, is that you've, you've lived in both worlds. There was the first half of your life that was strict legalism that was the bondage of man's religion and you escaped from that and you went into the world and you got to experience the pleasures of this world you know that you know what can i do to please my flesh which by the way is something i did too for about that period of time uh or maybe even longer for me and then you didn't then you found the true answer to life's problems the true the true um reason why we're here on this earth it's to have a relationship with Jesus. And I think that's cool that you were able to say, look, I've, I've been both places. <laughs> Neither one of them is the answer. Only Jesus is. Um, now, are you, do you attend church regularly, Eli? Yeah, two miles from my house now, there's a non-denominational church. And I started that about the same time. You know, I was still over the road and I couldn't go every Sunday because I was over the road. But mm -hmm. I remember asking my neighbor, he was a, a born again Christian. And I went to him right away when I was when I finally got saved, you know, and I came to him and I said, you know, I know you're a Christian, 
I said, you know, I come from the Amish and, and I see all these labels on different church buildings and these names and denominations. And I said, can you help me? And he says, well, absolutely, I can help you. I said, you know, I just want some some church out here that that has the truth, teaches the truth and, and, and wants to stay with what the Bible says and not change. And he immediately said, there's a New Hampshire community church. It's a non-denominational. And when he said non-denominational, I said, Okay, that is tickling my ears. I, I'm ready to check that out, yeah. and, and I've been there since. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, I myself also attend a non-denominational church, and my pastor, um, like you, he's on fire for the Lord, uh, but he had been a, his name is Grant Cole. He used to be a drug dealer, and he got saved while he was in prison on a life sentence and wow. was somehow miraculously freed after he got saved. And so, yeah, I, I attend a non-denominational um, but, uh, you know, some of the best videos, some of the funniest videos I've seen that, that you have posted are the ones where when you first left the Amish, you know, it, it's, it was such a sheltered environment. It was such a structured environment. You had to learn things that, that us English people would consider basics, you know, like right. hygiene, dress, how do you, what, what kind of clothes am I does an English person wear, you know, uh, you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was definitely something that, uh, my, my buddies that helped me out got a kick out of, and sometimes they'd laugh yeah. and, you know, they didn't mean it to, to try to offend me, but they was just yeah. bizarre things, you know, taking me down the toothpaste aisle and, and I had never had a toothbrush or toothpaste in my mouth. So, uh, yeah. and, and then getting a haircut, you know, the hair, the round bowl Amish haircut was falling off. I remember I was, about to just run right out of the the, uh, the barber shop there because it I felt such a sick feeling in my stomach when it started falling off that I looked over at my buddy that helped me leave the Amish and he says are you okay and I said no I feel like throwing up he goes just take a deep breath it's fine you're not gonna go to hell for cutting those hair off but see yeah. it was embedded into my in, yeah. into my young innocent mind since you know a yeah. child and, and it was almost like it all at once it hit me. And I felt like I needed to run because the, the hair is falling off. And I was told that you must have that haircut that way. And according to the Amish. And so I had, mm -hmm. I started feeling all this guilt. And, and then, you know, after the haircut, we go into the store and, you know, he, he's trying to buy me these uh, underwear and stuff, which I wasn't used to either. And <laughs> he, I was grabbing, not picking nothing out that matched. And then I picked out a, a pair of women's jeans. And I, as long as they were jeans and not Amish, clothes i was ready to go with it and he's like hey hey yeah. that's that's uh, women's jeans i'll help you so if i didn't have people like that to help me i just there was just no way i would have made it because being that kind of what i call cut off to society and that yeah. sheltered you really don't know those little things you know like the shower you know we, we got to his house there and of course we only got a we had a tradition of only getting a bath on saturday night so yeah. so he uh he told me he says hey if you're going to live here and, and enjoy the, the English world, he called it. And he says, you're going to get a shower. You're going to get cleaned up. I said, okay, I can do that. And I yeah. went in there and I remember he uh, showed me where the shower was, you know, and he turned me loose and just walked away. And I remember I, I, I sat in there and I was playing with the knob. I couldn't figure nothing out. An hour later, he comes back and he says, I'm so sorry. You need help turning that on, don't you? And I said, yeah, I, I need some water in here. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And and then he turned the water on and I sat in it. He goes, hey, uh, you know, you can stand up. That, that'll come out. You've turned the knob and it comes <laughs> out the top. <laughs> and so just all those things is what he started realizing about how little I knew and how he had to, to show me all of that. And then for another, another example, 
he had to go somewhere, him and his wife and his children left. And I was home this particular Sunday. And he said, now, now, if you get hungry, here's the microwave and here's how it works. You push the button, you know, and it opened up and you put it in there. So he had some leftover pizza and he also had some uh, uh, other foods that, that was in there that I could have put in the microwave and warmed up. But I went up there and I had also a bag of popcorn. So I'm like, well, which one do I put in first? Well, I went with the popcorn. But then I was like, hey, there's a button that says pizza. There's a button that says popcorn. There's a button that says this and that, all of it. And I didn't know what this stuff meant. So I put my popcorn in. I closed the door and I thought for a minute, man, that pizza looks awfully good. So I hit pizza. <laughs> well, when it gets done, I'm like, it ain't pizza. <laughs> I thought the English world had all this figured out that it could turn a, a baked potato <laughs> into a pizza. Popcorn. That is good. That is epic. That's the kind of stuff I had to learn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that. I have a, a um, question for you, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. You said that it was not that many years ago you had just started reading the English Bible, and I was curious what translation you preferred. Well, I was in my semi-truck with the New International Version, and at that time, that was the easiest one for me to read because it was just speaking in, in English, you know. So that's what I got saved on was the New International Version. Now, when COVID hit, we all had a lot of time on our hands, during that time, I had already, you know, been doing videos and, and sharing the gospel. And I noticed that there was a lot of denominations out here that started commenting on my content and just kind of attacking me. Hey, you're using Satan's Bible. And see, I, now I'm open. I, I don't I don't listen to humans. I listen to the word of God. So what I realized was a lot of people started making an idol out of certain versions. And so I said, OK, because of that, I'm going to read all of them. <laughs> And I, I, right now I have seven Bibles in my semi-truck and I read the, the New International Version, the NASB and the NLT and the uh, New American Standard Bible. The K New King James is actually becoming my favorite. And then the King James. And so I just go down the list and I, and the ESV, that's a really good one too. And so I, I just started reading all of them. So if you ask me what Bible I read, guess what? I read all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You made an interesting point, one that I hadn't thought of. There are people who do make idols out of their version of the Bible that they think this is the right one. And so uh, even though I prefer the King James, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. I refuse to be dogmatic about it. Um, Proverbs guy uses NASB and I'm sure he's not by, uh, dogmatic either. Um, you know, I, I try God... not to talk about it so I don't get stoned by you King James only guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won't get any rocks thrown at you from me. Um, because uh, it, it's there's so many issues that Christians can agree to disagree on. Mm. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, the important thing is, do we have the basics down? Do we have Jesus at the very center? And do we believe that he is came down as God in the flesh, born of a virgin, died for our sins and rose from the dead? You know, then, then it starts to go out from there. You know, maybe we can agree, disagree on some of these other things, but we have to have the basics down. And and just the entire Bible, all 66 books is the word of God. And we may not like some of the stuff that's in there. <laughs> you know, um, I uh, used to attend a church that affirmed a sinful lifestyle. And I believed it. 
but in 2019 when god chased me and began to get me right with him he began to show me that that type of activity is sinful whether you like it or not <laughs> you may not want it to be sinful but if i say it's sinful it's sinful and uh if you love me you're gonna obey me and um and i will say that i've said this many times that the, the life i'm living now uh living for God to the best of my ability and surrounding myself with fellow believers who can encourage me. Um, it's the best life I've ever lived. And all that stuff that I gave up, I don't need it. <laughs> and uh, of course, I'm still human and I still stumble. I'm not going to ever be perfect. Um, but, uh, you know, I've had a few friends say, oh, well, look at you, you're holier than thou now. And I'm like, look, it's not anything I did. It's not me. I don't get the credit for this. God does. God gets the glory for it. You know, but, Eli, Brett Keen below you has a, a similar but total opposite testimony, whereas you came from a, a real work-based uh, salvation. <laughs> Would you describe it as a cult? You asking me? Yes, sir. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I absolutely uh, describe that as a cult because it's it's a brainwashing. It's a deception. It's lying. And, and when you use that, when one man, when I looked up the first time, the definition of a cult, because I, I thought that was maybe too strong of a term that would be too offensive. But so I wanted to know the definition of it. And if you look up the definition of a cult, it's a, it's a man starting something and, and, and making people believe what he's teaching and saying and then getting those followers. So, yes, not all Amish are because there are some of new orders that are very open and they teach salvation. I cannot I will yeah. never say that they're all a cult. But the, yeah. the ones that keep the original Amish system, the um, original articles of faith, because of how they teach it, yes, absolutely, they are a cult. And see, Brett was also once part of a cult, but also a very influential cult leader. He was one of the leading atheists on YouTube, and now he's a believer also. Uh, so you guys have kind of a similar background, even though they're like far different extremes on, on Spectrum. It's true. I later on started calling it a death cult as well. Very good point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that really touched me about your testimony, um, Eli, was your relationship with your dad. Um, and I know he ended up at one point taking his life, but do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, it, it was uh, it was a very brutal uh upbringing. It was not fun growing up in a very abusive house uh, because you're talking about uh, my father being uh, shunned. You know, he did not meet the requirements, the standards that the church enforced. And so he was very depressed. And now his mom, my grandma, she left when he was just a little child. And there's a lot of reasons I found out later. Long story short, my dad's depression basically started then. He did not understand why mom would say she loves me and one day just disappear. Now he is just being raised by my grandpa, which was also very, very abusive. Mm. Now, when he started getting up there in age, you know, he got married to my mom, which I, I still to this day don't understand how he was attracted to the bishop's daughter, but my mom is uh, the bishop's daughter and my dad, he ended up marrying her. And now he became so depressed that he turned to alcohol, even when I was just a baby. So at a very young age, we saw some very horrible things in the home because if he got home on a Sunday and the church had shunned him because mom obviously had to be obedient to the church and tell them if dad did drink 
And so they shun him and maybe added more weeks to the shunning. And so he would come home. And I mean, it was just the, the one I remember very vividly was mom laying on the floor being strangled and her whole face was turning blue. I thought she was dead. I thought she was gone. So things like that I saw growing up. And then we also, all of my siblings, we endured a lot of physical abuse. So I say that to, to get you to realize how I feared my father all of my childhood. And then I get up in the teenage years where he would sometimes make me go with him to do work. Now, <laughs> there's some funny moments where I finally was like, wow, you know, this is fun. My dad is breaking church rules. And he's like, hey, son, you want to go break some, some rules with me? And I've shared some of those moments on TikTok and YouTube. And then the day came when I wanted to leave the Amish. And I remember leaving my diary behind because I, I forgot it. I was wanting to take it, but I left it behind because I uh, had other things that were more important to me and, and that I wanted to take with me. So the diary had everything in it that I experienced since early teenage years. Showing emotions shows weakness. You don't cry. You hold that in. And so I had nobody to talk to. If you shared something, you were told, well, you didn't forgive dad. Then if you're uh, sharing that and bringing that back up, you got to drop that. You, you got to forgive so you always held it in. So once I got this diary, I'm writing all, I'm speaking to the, the pages. Every day was filled. I had no room left. And so now the day comes where I'm leaving the Amish and my dad, when he came home from church, he sees, he finds the diary and he reads this entire diary. And I'm already left the Amish that day. The next day he comes down to the pallet shop, which was next door. And it was owned by the non-Amish people. So they paid me under the table. They had to pay me cash because I didn't have no social security number. I had no, you know, I wasn't part of the government system. So he comes <laughs> walking down with that. And I remember just feeling sick to my stomach. And I saw him starting to cry. And that's the first time I saw my dad get emotional to the point where he just walked up to me. And I mean, I couldn't believe the words that came out of his mouth. He said, son, I love you. And it was... <clears throat> Yeah, get choked up even trying to say it again. But he, I realized that he was starting to blame himself. And I told him, I said, Dad, it's not your fault. It's the church's fault. You know, I was joining, getting ready to take the classes to, to get baptized. And, and I got caught breaking some rules. And I even rode a bicycle. And they told me I dis, you know, I didn't qualify now to get baptized because that's breaking the church rules. So I told Dad, I said, that's the reason I'm leaving. Because I felt bad that he was reading this all at once. I didn't want him to, to, to see everything I was writing down that he did to me. And now it's like, whoa. But you know what? Looking back, guys, God wanted him to be aware what he was doing to his kids. He wanted my dad to see that. And, and I remember I was so disgusted that I grabbed it out of his hand and there was a dumpster there. And I went over and I just threw the diary right in the dumpster and I got rid of it. Now, right after that moment. My dad allowed me to sneak out on Sundays and when nobody else was around, he'd stay home from church. And I started visiting with him. Mom had a rule. You have to wear Amish clothing and you have to park next door. Dad is allowing me and, and my wife now that is on the wall in the portrait behind me there. Uh, my, I was dating her at the time. So he allowed us to just drive the car right in when nobody else was there. So we started establishing a relationship for five years. We, we did secret meetings. Sometimes he would even get a driver and come to my apartment in town. And I realized something. Because I was no longer part of the system and I loved him no matter how broken he was, no matter how drunk he was, no matter how angry and in a rage he was and cussing, I just listened to him. 
And that started drawing him to me. I was not bashing him. I was not telling him, hey, you should stop drinking. I loved him and even offered a home to him and said, dad, if you just leave the Amish, you're welcome here. And that's when it started clicking with me. I'm like, wait a minute. The church is rejecting him, shunning him. He just wants to be loved. And, and he wasn't getting that. That's what he was searching for. That's what he was desiring, but he wasn't getting it. So he turns to alcohol. He turns to all these things that are destroying the body to, to, to find peace. And then the day came, which is now five years after I had left the Amish. And I'm just kind of skimming the surface here because eventually he said, Okay, I'm done. I'm ready to go. I'm going to leave the Amish. And I was I was very excited. This was in 2003, exactly five years after I left. And so I didn't really believe him at first. But then we had another in-between Sunday before he was supposed to leave the date that he had set. And I reminded him, I said, now you told me a week ago that you're going to leave the Amish. Come live with me. I said, are you still serious? Yep. I come out at 9 a.m. They'll be going to church. Pick me up. I'm leaving the Amish. And on Saturday, I got the worst phone call of my entire life that he had ended his life by suicide. And I remember I wrestled with that. My alcoholism started heavy, heavy at that time. I couldn't make sense of it. And now looking back after I got saved, I always, you know, it's like the God just gave me comfort in, in realizing that, okay, he has one son that is ex-Amish. But look at all the other siblings. He loved them too. So it, it, it was a tough decision for him to make. Do I go with the only one, Eli, that is not Amish and abandon all the rest? I thought he's over the hump where he's ready for that, but I, I have to drop it. I, I could not continue to beat myself up over it because for a long time I was killing myself just by sitting out there at the graveyard and just, you know, with, with alcohol. I had cases of alcohol and I'm, I'm drinking with dad, even though he's in the grave and I'm dumping a case down in the ground and I'm drinking a case. And, and I realized my, my wife was so affected that she didn't even want to sit there and watch me anymore. She was so torn that she went to the car and just left and left me sit there for a couple hours. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm hurting her. I'm hurting her. She's now struggling because she sees my pain. And I had to let, quit doing that because I didn't know Jesus yet at that time. So I didn't know that I could give that burden to Jesus. But for a long time, I became a severe alcoholic just because I wanted answers for why, and I didn't have those answers. Do the Amish not teach about Jesus? They they preach Jesus, but they, we were we were taught that if uh, you don't ask for forgiveness and get the bishop and the congregation, the baptized church members, to vote to forgive you, only then when they vote to forgive you, then Jesus. Because see, they're God's church. They claim. So they have to vote to forgive you before Jesus uh, can forgive you. But if they don't vote to forgive you and you die, no, no. They, they believe Jesus did not forgive that person. Oh, wow. 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 So they're, they're putting themselves above Jesus, actually. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's why they buried my father separately, you know, in, in the corner, because they believe yeah. that he committed murder. So they, they, they fence him off in a corner and put him separately. And, he, and he, I've done a lot of videos on that. Yeah. And uh, so they took judging in their own hands. And here's, they don't know any better, guys. Put your mindset right into how they think, okay? So they believe they're God's church, and now they're going to judge for God, right? So they judged him and buried him separately, thinking it's going to uh, favor them. You know, God's going to favor them for doing that for God. 
Ellie, I subscribed to your channel. I uh, I want to say I'm sorry about the hell and pain that you've had to suffer. It's terrible. It sounds like you've really come a long way, but wow, very tough story. Well, it's only yeah. strengthened. You know, I had to go through what I did because I, I wouldn't have the zeal. I praise God. This is God's testimony. I mean, this I wouldn't be on fire for the word and be where I'm at today if I didn't go through those things. Those things were yeah. all meant to strengthen me, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I've seen some of your many of your videos, Eli, that I I almost look at this as being for the other people. I already knew everything, but I actually uh, learned some things from you tonight that I didn't previously know. So that's really good. Um, Jordan, uh, thank you for joining us, brother. Do you have any anything to say? You have any have you been listening? Do you have any questions for Eli? Can y'all hear me? Yes, okay. and the feedback stopped, so that's great. Okay. Well, Ellie, while we're waiting for him to get through his lag and delay, I want you to know, and I'm sure others uh, feel the same or say the same, but anytime you need a friend or someone to talk to, I'm uh, I'm all ears, all right? Well, I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, there's been a lot of, in my, my real family now, it's just been amazing ever since I, uh, you know, the local, not just the local church. I mean, I'm affiliated with a group called Truckers for Christ. I mean, there's so many oh. brothers and sisters out here that have the same in common. They love Jesus. And, you know, that is where I got my strengths from. All of that support, you know, all of those that just loved on me, prayed for me, encouraged me. I'm on as a truck driver, I'm on the phone every day with brothers and sisters in Christ. And that just strengthens me every day. So all of you guys are my true family. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, you know, the family of God is the one that will endure forever. Because yes. sadly, we all have, all of us have blood relatives that we're not going to be with in eternity. But our spiritual brothers and sisters will always be with us. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's, what, that's really what matters. Um, and you guys are a pretty sweet plan B. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> can you tell, uh, can you, I'm sorry. You had a question, Brett? Well, I was going to ask him, uh, what is it, if you don't mind me asking, what's it like being like in a closed in area and then suddenly being in a truck and just being able to see the world and the mornings and the dawns and all that kind of stuff? Well, it was overwhelming. I obviously doubted myself that I could even do such a thing as driving a truck. And so I did uh, odd jobs here and there. And uh, I was working for a couple of different contractors. And then the, obviously in 2008, as you all know, the, re the major recession that we had and it seemed like everybody was losing their jobs and my company went bankrupt. And so that's kind of where I took the opportunity to get my GED. You know, I, I only had an Amish eighth grade education, so I got my GED. And then there was all these government grants, you know, and, and they said, uh, you know, they'll give me a grant for anything I'm going to go to school for. And, and I looked at all, of you know, police officer, doctor, all of this stuff and firefighter and truck driver. And I'm like, OK, I, I could probably try any of these. But what's the highest demanding job in the country? And they said, uh, truck driver. I said, okay, I'll pick that one. And even though I doubted that I could pass the test, I just said, you know what? If I put my all into it, 
let's see what happens. And I passed it pretty easily. And uh, that was really when we didn't have a whole lot of history in the Amish school. So, yeah, I knew of the states. I kind of kind of memorized them. We, we did learn them. But I didn't realize how big the world was until I got yeah. out there as a truck driver. And I mean, it was just I, I still love it. I don't see myself doing anything different. I just love going state to state, seeing God's beautiful creation out there. Mm -hmm. It's just a wonderful, beautiful thing. I have to tell you personally, brother, I think you may have made the wrong choice. If you had gone from Amish to cop, man, that would have been a sitcom. Jerry Seinfeld well, my brother would have given Melvin you a TV Yoder show. Left the and did that. <laughs> he did? Yes, my brother Melvin Yoder, he became a cop. He was a local city police officer right there in our hometown, even gave a couple Amish people a ticket. And now he has upgraded to the sheriff's department. Now he's a canine on the sheriff's department. So how many of your siblings uh, have come away from that community and are they all saved, the ones who have left? No, just two of us, just me and Melvin that left. Now, he's he's been struggling. I'm, I'm helping him along the way as well. He's uh, struggling with some things and bitterness, obviously, because of what mom said. Mom told us recently that we could not, could not come to her funeral when she passes away. And that really affected him. And so I'm kind of helping him along the way with, with that to try to overcome that and not hold a grudge or anything. Yeah. But yeah. obviously the ones that are still Amish, which the rest of them all are, they don't really believe in salvation. So that they're always in my prayers. And, and I keep on going out and visiting here and there just to, I know God can do it. He did it to me. He saved me from the yeah. pits of hell. I know he can do it. Oh, yeah. where, did they, where did they come up with this kind of stuff saying that you can't uh, sympathize or mourn or grieve your own loved ones? Where does that come from? This is all stuff handed down from their forefathers. This is stuff that their parents and their parents and their parents did. They practice this stuff and they don't know any better. It is something that they believe is the best system, God's system, God's church. So th this original uh, old order Amish system is something they put their faith in. I mean, they they are willing. And I want there's a book called Martyr's Mirror. These individuals in this book called Martyr's Mirror are our Anabaptist forefathers. And they really, really look up to that. They Because th those in Switzerland, the Anabaptists were being persecuted and martyred and killed for their faith and even their rules. So the Amish faith in, in their system and what they inherited, they believe they should die for that. So they're not going to change. Like, for example, in, in my community right now, they're refusing to follow the Ohio state law and putting a blinker on their buggy. So the sheriff's department, they got a good relationship with them, so they, they let them be. But in Ashland County, they they started arresting them. They started giving them tickets, and they wouldn't pay, pay for the tickets. And the judge eventually realized he just has to let them off the hook because they were willing to go to prison, go to jail, and even death for a blinker on the buggy because mm. that is how they look up to their forefathers. So when you, if you ask where it started, it started clear back in the Anabaptist movement in Switzerland, and it came to America. They became... Uh, Amish, they became Mennonites branched off of that, the Hutterites branched off of that. I mean, you have all of these groups that keep those values and they're willing to lay down their life for it. Interesting question for you. Wow. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you would kind of sneak away and hang out with your friend who was an Englishman. Did you guys ever sneak any of the English into the community for a day to hang out with all of your community? Well, we had English friends that would stop by, but we would get backlash from the church because there's Amish houses are scattered all across the country. So they see if there's somebody 
in our driveway parked there with the car too long. Also, even in, in our property, there's a little county road that went through our backwoods back there. And sometimes they wouldn't catch us right away. But we had some English friends that loved coming, hanging out with us. We'd go ride horses back there and their children would play with us. But dad always reminded us, hey, don't don't make don't make it known because if the Amish see this, they do not want you being too close and friendly with those English people because they can have a bad influence on you where the, the, us young boys could be tempted to want to live that life. Well, it worked because I did want to live that life. So I wouldn't say that we did, would sneak them in for a long period of time, but it was just periodically, if we got the chance, we would hang out with some of our English friends. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, can you share with us maybe like one of the most interesting times you were able to hang out with the English? Yeah, there was... Go ahead. Hey, how's it going, Lupin? Hey, Lupin, how are you? Go ahead, Eli. Yeah, yeah, we had we had some English neighbors that uh, always enjoyed al allowing us to break the Amish rules. And so we had some of them that would allow us to watch television. And so I would watch, you know, the Westerns, the the, the shows, the Western movies. And, and I would, I actually believed it was true. I thought it was happening right there at that time. So when I first started having thoughts of leaving the Amish, I knew that when I left, I was going to do everything I could to find out where that's at and become a cowboy and be a Western with a gun because I was watching that on the television. So, so we always loved going back there to the English neighbors and especially after dark where nobody would see us and, and do stuff like that. Now they also love taking us to rides and taking us to different places. And we would maybe tell mom and dad that we're doing construction and he, they would take us someplace like the fair. Oh, that was just amazing. So many people <laughs> everywhere. There's rides everywhere. But we didn't want to get busted because that would have been some harsh consequences. Mm, yeah. Wow. Um, do you want to take us up to the present day and talk about how you're ministering now to people who want to be freed from the Amish community or who who have been freed and, and how, they're, how you're helping them adjust to, to society? Yeah, it's just been amazing uh, with technology. You know, I was I was told growing up that smartphones are basically the mark of the beast, they called it. You, you can't have phones, but yet because of technology and because of the phones, when I first started, you know, just sharing the word of God. And then I started interviewing former Amish, former Mennonite and people from, you know, religious backgrounds. And then as I just kept preaching and sharing the word of God, more and more people that were out of those cultures from my people, the Amish, were stumbling across my videos and I had no idea what God was going to do. It just exploded. And I have multiple platforms where there's just hundreds of thousands of former Amish, former Mennonite. And by the way, even Amish, because now there are some Amish groups where they're sneaking around phones and they're watching me. Yeah, there's some negative ones, but uh, you know, it, it's uh, you're going to get a mixture of all of them. There's a lot of them that are searching for truth. Acts 2.17 says, God in the last days will pour out his spirit on all flesh. There's a lot of people yeah. searching for truth. And when they stumble up on the truth, and I'm sharing it out of the Bible, they reach out. So it's been a beautiful, wonderful thing uh, to be able to minister to these people. Sometimes they're still in the communities and they want answers. They're asking, hey, what does this Bible verse mean? So mm -hmm. along the way, guys, we have been able, I'm now responsible since 2015, 14, to help more than 200 of them leave the Amish. And it's been amazing to put them on, like there's so many former Amish construction crews out here. So we, we yeah. get them out and we're able to get help them get their birth certificate, social security number, and put them on those former Amish construction crews where they can start making money right away, help them get a car, get their apartments. And so it's 200. just been absolutely amazing. Yes. 
Wow. And this isn't just helping them get away from there, but this is helping them get a place to go, teaching them the things like brushing your teeth, hygiene, like you described earlier. 200 people. Wow. Yes. Yeah, we, we really we really kind of got uh, well known when, uh, when I teamed up with a group in 2020. 2020, I teamed up with a group that was called Amish Rescue Mission. Mm-hmm. And they were solely focused on helping victims coming out of the Amish because those women that started that group called Amish Rescue Mission, they are victims that came from, you know, bad incest and and sexual abuse and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So a lot of the members that are working with her, they wanted me to work with them. So I did there for a while. And so you were able to really get some deep information from within the community. And, And once we get some of that information, we would report that to law enforcement. So it was also a wonderful thing to be able to help those victims that were trapped. You know, the church makes it go away. They, they don't report that stuff to the outside. So we were able to sometimes report these crimes to law enforcement and actually get justice. Otherwise, they would have never gotten justice. Is it yeah. more men or women or is it a mixture of both? I did a video not long ago about this, but you're gonna, your mind is going to be blown. Out of 200 plus people I have helped leave the Amish, I have personally only helped two women leave the Amish. Mm. Wow. They are sheltered. They are making clothes. They are cooking, canning, gardening. They don't really get out, especially the old order where I'm from. The women are very sheltered. And the men are the ones going out doing construction. They're the ones that go do business with the English worldly people. They get to know those people to plan their escape while the women just do not. So yeah, you would say like the women are more or less kind of trapped in there just due to the nature of, uh, you know, the Amish people like that's that's their position is probably just to cook, clean, do all the, the things that a wife would do so they don't get a chance to go out. Right. Yes, absolutely. The one the women that are leaving are coming from more of the more liberal, you know, more modernized kind of Amish communities where they have stores and they allow them to go work with other people outside the community. Those are the ones that are more often leaving, like in northern Indiana. They're just much different than where I come from. So the Schwarzenegger and Old Order, where I come from, those are the ones that really keep the women kind of sheltered more than other Amish yeah. would. What, do you remember, like, maybe what was the most confusing single thing to you coming from that world to the English world? Uh, about who God is. And, and I didn't know anything about salvation. Uh, when I left, I'll be honest with you. I was very confused, and I did believe when I left at age 18, I did believe I was going to hell. I didn't admit it to anybody at that time. Not until I got saved and knew the truth, I could openly tell anybody on a video or online to you guys right now that at that time at age 18, I thought if I just lived it up as fast as I could and and, and find peace and, and live in sexual immorality and alcohol and live however I please before I go to hell. That's my thinking because I literally thought that if I left the Amish, I'd go to hell. But I thought because of what I was going through that hell would be better than staying in the situation I was in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to the show, Jeremiah. Do you have anything you'd like to say? I'm just taking it all in. Can I ask a couple questions? I haven't been able to. Absolutely. Go ahead, Lupin. Same thing. So first off, hi, Yoder. And, uh, I've uh, I've seen I've seen a couple of your shorts. Uh, you've actually you've actually become pretty popular amongst the uh, YouTube and social media crowd with your content and everything so like that. So I want to say first off, congratulations. You have a, a real yeah, interesting. Thank you very much. That's something I didn't see coming. I didn't know God would give me that. 
It's amazing. It's amazing where life leads us and where God leads us to sometimes. It could be the most unexpected places. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's uh it's mm-hmm. a never it's a never ending journey until it's over, over. And then even then it's like, is it the end or is that just the start of a new beginning? It is. Right. It, it, it was only a few months ago when Proverbs guy and Jeremiah both came to me almost at the same time and suggested that I start doing what I'm doing right now. And, you know, because up to that point, you know, I was sort of, uh, you know, I said this last week, but I just I would observe I would. Um, you know, I just kind of be behind the scenes, you know, I was just, you know, I've always been a little bit of a timid and shy person, uh, most of my life and just wanted to live a quiet little life, but God did not, it doesn't say in the Bible, we're supposed to live like that. Does it Eli? No, it's no, absolutely not. Perfect. Yeah. And so God is giving me a new nature that is outgoing and, wanting a a nature that wants other people to know about Jesus and to have a relationship with him. Ryan, can Uh, I ask the question we all go out there and spread the word? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Proverbs guy, go ahead. Okay. Eli, have you, or have you not seen the weird Al Yankovic uh, music video for (laughs) Amish paradise? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I shared that in a video not long ago where yeah. I uh, got to experience that song and the music video before I left the Amish. And it was, again, our English neighbor that wanted us to come watch it. And it was me and two, several <laughs> of my other brothers. And we went in the house there and he turned it on. We didn't know what he was doing. It was you know, a VCR at that time. And he plugged it in. And now we're hearing the song along with watching Weird Al doing the whole thing. You know how the, you know, churning the butter, Jebediah feeds the chicken and Jacob yeah. the plow. I mean, we were just starting to jump up and down and snapping our suspenders and they were laughing at us. But we we thought they were laughing at, at the uh, the song and the video, but they were laughing at us because of our reaction. And me and my brother were just laughing. Starting. We, we were actually laughing until it hurt. <laughs> Uh, to uh, this day i can't hear gangster's paradise and not sing the lyrics to amish paradise (laughs) eli Eli, i was wondering uh you know we we were talking about this episode the other day and i remember this show it was called breaking amish i don't know have you ever seen that show yeah i i've uh, talked to the producers with that show they've actually wanted me to be a part of it at one point and they here's the thing guys there's too many things, you know, obviously ratings, views, there's money involved. So there's too many things that become staged. Many Amish television shows, they want you to do certain things. And I'm not about that. I want to be truthful. I want the, the true about portray the Amish in the truthful way and not add things to, to you know, for them to be able sen- to sensationalize it and, and, yes. and make it make it more TV appropriate and everything like that. You just want that the raw true. deal. Yes. And that's why I couldn't stay in Amish Mafia, because 99 percent of that was fake and staged. And by the way, that show was using former Amish actors. And I just I just it just put a bitter flavor in my mouth because yeah. it just badly portrayed the Amish. Amish don't have a mafia. You know, is it possible to convert mm-hmm. to Amish? Like, is that yes, heard there's, of? Mm-hmm. There's some people that have not, not very few have actually made it because it's very hard after baptism because the old order system, if you try to join them, you have to first learn their language. 
Then you have to follow all the rules like a probation until you prove to them that you can follow the rules. And then you make the baptism oath to follow those rules in their ordinance for the rest of your life. Usually right after baptism, that's when they drop back out. Several of them that I, that I know that tried it, they dropped back out because they started getting shunned for like simple little dress codes, the stuff they were breaking. You're like, what? That's a big deal. And by the way, guys, I just told you I helped a lot of them leave the Amish. Several months ago, earlier this year, back in March, I got a call because of my TikTok channel. I got 1.5 million followers on TikTok. And one of them reached out and said he joined the Amish and he's 44 years old. And after he made the baptism oath, he was being shunned for the dumbest stuff. And they cut him off from his family, his English family, where he came from. And he says, wait a minute, that's not loving. Why would you cut me off? from my family. So I actually lined up a driver and picked him up out of his Amish community in the state of Maine. Wow. That is pretty cool. Um, have well, you ever yeah, seen the movie? Yeah. I'm sorry. Have you ever seen the Harrison Ford movie, the witness Eli? I don't think I've seen that one. That one is, that one is pretty good. There's, there's actually a funny scene in the vid in the movie where, uh, um, the Amish are going into town uh, this this Amish family. Uh, well, let me ref Harrison Ford stars as a police officer who goes undercover in an Amish community to try to catch a murderer or something. I, I, it's, it's, I haven't seen the movie in years, but there's one scene where he and the family are going into town and some of the local English guys come up and they start to um, <laughs> they start to uh, harass them and pick on them and stuff, you know. Because they know that they're not supposed to fight back, and so these English guys, you know, they're they're being mean to him and everything. And, and Harrison, his character, you know, he's sitting in the buggy. He starts to get up, and the guy, the guy beside him says, "No, it is not our way." <laughs> <laughs> and finally, he can't take it anymore, so he gets gets off that buggy and starts beating the tar out of these guys. <laughs> and uh, um, and then when they they finally go running off, and 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 the guy. Um, the other Amish guy says, this is our cousin. So he's from the, uh, I can't remember. He's from the other Amish. You know, he's from this. It's just a funny scene. I should probably send it to you. Uh, how, does, uh, how does marriage work in the community? Is it arranged marriages? And like, British what spirits. is the typical age to get married? Typical age is usually 21 or above because we were not allowed to have our own money as an adult until we were 21. So usually in our community, nobody really got married until 21 or above. Now, in our particular group, we were not, but it was, if you stayed in the community, so it wasn't really arranged, but you had to stay within that ordinance. We had three other old order Amish churches that had almost a similar identical ordinance as we had. Now we could go to those churches and date someone and get married to someone, but we could not go to a church that had a more lesser, like a lenient ordinance with less rules where maybe they, they used chainsaws and maybe they had the batteries in their buggies with the bright lights. We couldn't go there because that sent you straight to hell. So we were told uh, we had to stick with like a hierarchy. our church. Yes. yes. Okay. Interesting. I imagine the more strict Amish sects probably considered themselves to be superior to the more modern Amish sects. Yeah. Oh, yes. Sounds I was going to ask, is there a social class within the particular sects? Like, is there a social class in the Amish community? Uh, if you're talking about the elders, they always are in, in cahoots with one another. They're all the bishops, the elders, the deacons, the preachers, they're always uh, socializing and keeping do in, they that typically, connection. Do they typically live better than the rest of the Amish community? 
They pretend to, they put on a good show, but here's the phrase that I'll use. Do as I say, not as I do. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think another, uh, Proverbs may have meant it in another way. Um, I know you've said in one of your videos that some of the Amish are quite wealthy. Uh, yes. Some of them have that, a lot that is of what I meant uh, with social yeah. class and living better. Like are some of them just wealthier than. What's your definition majority? of wealthy? Uh, I would say own a lot more land or have multiple homes or have a home that is significantly bigger than your average home. Well, there's a lot of Amish that have uh, a lot, a lot of money. They they don't appear to have a lot of money, but they they know how to make money. But they, there's a there's a cutoff in in our. I can speak for my group. This is not for all of them, but I know if you made too much money, they had a meeting with you. If you were very wealthy and you were succeeding above other families, you were cut off at a certain point. And if you continue to do increased business, that extra revenue had to go to the church. And, and, and it was a very good thing how they were kind of what I call self-insured. You know, we, our barn burnt down when I was in fifth grade and it was all cleaned up in a new barn standing within just days. And they paid for that. They came and helped us. And then financially, we were taken care of. Now, there was one time when my, my brother got older and, and got married and he became one of the respected elders where he was trusted. They voted him in to take care of the, uh, the monetary funds. And he told me one time when I was visiting him, back when I was still allowed to, that there was more than $200 million invested in that church, but they were tied with other ordinances of churches that were the same ordinance. Them all together as a system was more than 200 million. Wow. Sounds to me a little bit like kind of like the Jew Jewish like boroughs in like in New York and everything like that. Like it seems like the community just has their own community with it. Like they, they're living there. But they have their own specific kind of community where they take care of each other. Uh, yes. uh, and that's kind of what sustains them. It's a, it's a pretty, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's a very interesting uh, way of living that the Amish do. Yes. How, yeah. It's how actually large was system. your community? Uh, we had 250 families when I left, but now it, uh, and we only had four churches in our, there's an East district, West district, South district, all of that. But now they renamed them because they're, they're tripled in size. There's more than a dozen churches now. So they've really multiplied. And, and so there there's every other Sunday they go to church. They don't go every Sunday. It's always every other Sunday because of diff different districts, the preachers and bishops go to the other district. So you always get a break in, in between Sunday. You mind if I ask you a question, Mr. Ellie? Um, if you were given the opportunity to get behind, let's say, magic microphone and be able to speak to all the Amish folks around the world, and you had like 10 minutes to point out some of the things you'd like to see change, what would that be? Well, I would let the people be free to speak on their own behalf. Questions about the Bible that they are reading. And let, let them reason with you. That that is that is the key. You you couldn't really reason with the elders in my church. It was their way or the highway. So the people were in bondage. They were not free. I would say, please Blind allow faith. them to bring up Bible verses and ask those questions, and allow them to have a voice rather than just silencing them. Rather than saying, "Hey, don't question us. Just do as you're told." That's the key to the whole thing. Um, Eli, uh, sorry, I had some internet. I had to leave it. Um, I know you, you, you said you'd give us 45 minutes and, and you've blessed us with over an hour of, of your time. So if you do need to go, feel free. But we've been I've been enjoying every minute of you being with us. I will say that. 
I want to ask yep. like one more question before you go, if you do go. Um, uh, as far as that show, Breaking Amish, like I was telling them, dude, that was like a guilty pleasure of mine, dude, because that show was – it was so out of there, and it was, so, it was like the Jersey Shore, but with like Amish people, and it was such a funny – it was a funny concept. But according to – you said if you said you've seen it, would you say that that one was uh, somewhat accurate, or do you think that that was dramatized? I, I'm sure there was a lot of scripted moments and dramatized moments, but do you think that that was uh, somewhat accurate of kind of how people would break Amish or whatnot? They were certainly more truthful than all of the other Amish shows that I've watched. They had more truth in it. They were more about getting the truth out there about the Amish lifestyle. But there were some stage scenes. I'm, I'm uh, one of my friends, Johnny. You'll see him on TLC. I've been communicating with him, Johnny Detweiler. He's being he's being filmed right now. He's done multiple episodes, him and his girlfriend. And, you know, some of the things I know the community where he's from, you know, you can tell that some of the things that he was kind of out of his comfort zone, but they kind of wanted to stage and wanted him to follow through with it. That is really not true, according to his community. But for the majority of it, I'd say Breaking Amish is more truthful than any of the other shows, though. Interesting. Yeah, man. I remember watching that show and I was like, why am I watching this? This is so silly. But man, dude, I was so invested in that show. Like I would watch all the new episodes when they came out, you know, like it was it was a very it was interesting eye opening. I, I wanted to hear from somebody who actually lived that life to see how accurate that was. So yes, yeah. I, I think uh, I think you explained it very well. And I recommend some of you guys go see it if you haven't seen it. It's 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 funny and it's an interesting inlook, you know. But just be uh, be be conscious that you know that some not everything that you see on there is going to be one hundred percent accurate. Right, right. Well, Ellie, I really enjoyed talking to you and listening to you, and I hope that you understand. Even though there are a lot of people out there that are not Amish, there are many people who feel trapped where they feel like what they have to say and what's going on in their heart is not being able to be said. They're not being appreciated for the person that they are. And I think you're in an extraordinary position where you'd be able to reach not only Amish people, but folks who feel as though they're in a cage and they need to be released. Yes. Yeah. You, you hit the nail right on the head. The, the beautiful thing about this online and, and just sometimes just saying something encouraging and, and just share the word of God and pray. Sometimes I should do prayer videos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's from all backgrounds. I have heard from people all over different countries, all over America. And there's people that are searching for truth. And, and the sad part is what I realized more than anything is there's so many people that were hurt by church. And when I share certain things to encourage them, it really resonates with them. They're like, wow, that was so encouraging because they kind of threw everything in, in the towel, threw the baby out with the bathwater when they got hurt by church. So they didn't return back. And that's my goal. And, and that is one thing. I'm, my goal is to try to share the truth and try to bring some of those people back to Jesus, not necessarily back to church, but allow Jesus to work in your heart. Come back and read the word of God. And, and I know I've had a lot of backlash because mm. of that, because I'm telling people not to go to church, but come to Jesus first. Read the word of God. Read yeah. the Bible first yeah. in your own homes. And then the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will give you spiritual discernment. Woo, I'm about to start preaching. Hey, we, we are the, we are the church. We are the church. We are yes. the church. Amen. No, there's no building that is the church. We are the church. It's it's our relationship yes. with the Lord and Jesus Christ. Us one believers. Biggest, Amen. One of the biggest problems in the church is people practicing churchianity. Yes. You know, it, it, and, and, and they need to 
they need to practice true Christianity. We yes. replaced uh, a relationship with a religion. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, hey, I'm gonna get off of here and uh okay. my son just you know, can ask football. can ask one more quick question. We gotta let him go, Lupin. He's a little it's, well, it's gonna he, be a yes promised. or no question. Or just real quick, do that do 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 uh, Amish believe that Jesus died for Jesus was uh God in human form and died for our sins on the cross? Do they believe that? Yes, they actually teach it just like that. But they say that Jesus cannot forgive anyone until God's church deems them forgiven and votes on them to be forgiven. That is where they get it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Okay, that was my only question. And if you and, have... and by the way, that is very, very similar to what the Catholics do. The Catholics kind of go through the priest, you know, for their answers. The Amish yeah. go through the bishop. And once the, the bishop and the priests, so-called priests and, and bishop, once they deem them forgiven and vote on their forgiveness— that's when they actually feel like they're forgiven. But yet in our own homes, guys, we can do First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins to Jesus, Amen. he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen, brother. Amen. Thank Amen. You so Thank you so much for being with us, Brother Eli. Uh, and as I said to Samuel Spoonhour last week, I'll say it to you. When I first discovered you on, on YouTube, if someone had told me that this happened, I'd say you're crazy. <laughs> but it happened. Because of God, God made it happen. So you have yes. spend, spend the rest of the night with your family, brother Eli, and you you have a good night and God bless you. Yeah, well, I hope hey, you come back and teach us your peanut butter Amish peanut butter. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, that was, hey, that a was lot of nutty. Said I gave them diabetes when they watched that video. Bro, I was one of them. <laughs> All righty. Well, hey, before I let y'all go, can I just pray for y'all? You sure can. Yes. All to, right, Heavenly sure. Father, I just lift all of these special folks up to you, Lord, tonight, that, Lord, that whatever your plan and will is for their life, that, Lord, that, you, that plan and will would be uh, walked out, Lord. Any any schemes, any, any enemy attacks that the enemy has, Lord, I pray for a hedge of protection around each and every one of them, Lord, as they serve you, Lord. I pray that you bless them and guide them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I pray Luke 10, 19 over the, all of them right now, where you give us power and authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall harm us. Lord, I, I plead that, I pray that verse and plead that verse over them right now, Lord, that they would have all of that power, all of that authority in Jesus Christ. They can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens them. And Lord, I pray that you would guide them with your Holy Spirit and reveal the truth when they're reading the scriptures, Lord. We are in a unique time right now. And Lord, I just pray for your anointing on each individual on this video right now and those that are listening later, Lord, I pray that you would just anoint them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and reveal the truth to them concerning the scriptures for such a time as this, that we would all rise up as bold soldiers for Jesus Christ. And I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Brother, Amen. you're welcome to join us anytime. All right. God bless y'all. God bless, Brother Eli. Wow. Um, we had church tonight. Mm. We sure did. He's um, very, very articulate, man. He's he's, yeah. grown, he's grown a lot, you know, and, and he's become a very, very uh, uh, influential mouthpiece um, to the to the word of the, oh, yeah. the scripture. You know, he's uh, I mean, you tell that, that God called cool. God God picked on him. God 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 picked God picked on him for a certain reason. He sure did. You know, it's kind of sad. Some of the regulars weren't here like Stump and Pastor Chuck and um, but, but they can watch later. I, this was a power.
special night, and I thank all of y'all for joining us. And uh, we don't necessarily have to go yet. If somebody's got some other things to share, um, I almost missed it because I thought you said it was on Wednesday. I used to be on Wednesday nights, but that conflicted with some people's church schedules. So I asked Proverbs if we could if I could switch it to another night, and he gave me Tuesday. Because um, I know, gave I, him I, my night. So he's Tuesday night now. Yeah, you know, if 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 people can't come on the show because of church, then we got to do something about that. Definitely. Now, typically, I'm Wednesday night, but I switched with Stump this Wednesday night because mm. I want to watch the Republican primary debate tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, and I'm sorry, just, yeah. I love you. Watch DeSantis get beat up it. on. Uh, How are you going to beat up on DeSantis with his record? Yeah, you're lucky. You got. He's lucky that Trump skipped it. But yeah. I think well, Trump's the lucky one. Trump was going to be the punching bag in the butt of every Republican joke, and he, he can handle it. it. I know he can, but, but you he know, has to answer for it, and that's the interesting part. Well, he'll answer. Trump was smart to schedule his turning himself in the morning, very next day. Because he knows that all the news people are going to be talking about him, not Wednesday night. He knows a lot. Hey, of stuff. He's he's a strategist, man. He's a, yeah. he's a. You can say a lot of things about Trump, you know, man. But that man, he's he's very business oriented. He knows yeah. he knows how to work uh, uh, yeah. media. He knows how to play. And, <laughs> and he he he's a play, he's a big player in the game, man. He's a very mm -hmm. big player in the game, and you can't take that away from them, man. Yeah, yeah. So he he timed that exactly when he should have timed it. So cameras are going to be on him. All the newscasters, they're going to be talking about him. They won't be talking about tomorrow night. <laughs> I think it's it's kind of humorous, but um, anyway, um, that was a cool episode, Ryan. Man, I'm I'm glad that you were able. I I would never have I would never have guessed that I would be on here speaking to this guy. Like you know, that's so random. I know, I know, and it's all because, uh, you know, Proverbs asked how he and I connected with one another. It's because I found out about that on a mission. Uh, it might have been on one of his videos or something. And so I said, well, let me look them up, and maybe I can get a hold of them this way. And the lady answered the phone. Um, well, Eli's not here, but I can I can refer you to him. And so, so then my phone rings, and it says Nicole Yoder on the screen, I guess his wife's name. And I said, oh, he's calling me. And, and so we started talking and I said, hey, I want to send you a donation. And I did. And that was where it all started. And I mean, you know, I think, like I said, I'm going to I want to try for for Jason Lyle. And I want to I've already put word out to these guys here to come on maybe next week or the week after. I need to follow up on that. But who's Jason know, Lyle? Jason Lyle is uh, an astrophysicist who's also a young earth creationist. He used to be part of uh, AIG, Ken Ham's ministry. He knows the uh, Biblical Science Institute. And he is like, his brain, I don't know how it fits in his head. <laughs> he is very, very intelligent. And uh, he, he, he knows... You know, he would, he's the perfect antidote for the atheist who thinks that we're all um, uneducated and ignorant and don't know anything. Um, they can't tell him that. They really can't. 
I think that this show, this show, the more it gets exposed to atheists and everything like that, the more it's opening that their eyes that yeah, you know, all these these Christians aren't all like wacky, you know, you know, just believing the Bible just off blind faith alone. Like we just trust this book just because the book says so. No, it's because the book has been proven to be true, and that we're not. We're not uh, people who just go out and deny science and everything like that. We're we're normal people. We just have we have this understanding, and really, you know, once you become a believer, like you know, it, it honestly it, it kind of makes your life it makes your life so much simpler. It answers so so many of these questions that we have, like who am I? What am I? Why am I here on this planet? Why? You know why? You know all yeah. of that stuff becomes a lot more simplified, and you become yeah. more reassured using the word. Well, Luke and I was thinking of something the other day. Most people can cannot answer three simple questions: Where did I come from? Where am I good? Why am I here? Most people just have to say, "I don't know," to all those questions, and they live their life that way. And I, I kind of used to be that way. I was just like. Well, I sure hope I'm saved, you know, and I sure hope that God's okay with this life I'm living. <laughs> but now I know he wasn't okay with it. And yeah. And, and, you know, there there comes down to a very simple question that's been an age-old man, man uh, age-old question. You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. For, for a creationist, there's no issue there. You automatically you be like the chicken came first and it God created the chicken with the power to reproduce and, and do yeah. anything like that. Yeah. And then an atheist will never, they will struggle with that for so long Yet we can answer, we can answer and they're going to write it off saying, well, God, you can't answer with God did it. Well, you know what we are and we can. Yeah. The well, atheist would have to say that a creature, a bird type bird that was almost a chicken, almost a chicken, it laid an egg and the first chick was born. Yeah, Let me it. play Brett Keen for a moment. <clears throat> Tell okay. me what the variable in the environment would be to cause a chicken to lay an egg. And why did that environment and all of those variables not affect anything else? Why is the chicken the one that lays the egg? There you go. I mean. That was good, right? You Brett? Know, yeah. See now um, we we got to go on to the more important questions. Now we got to figure out why the chicken crossed the road. I mean, that's, <laughs> that one that one is still up for debate. The chicken crossed the road because it saw a Baptist coming down the street at it. <laughs> the I think the funny one. I think the funny one is that they say that dinosaurs evolved up into chickens. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who yeah. in its right mind would want to go from a T Rex to a chicken? I mean, we do have dino nuggies. Those are good. Is it strong I, enough yeah. evidence, though? I was telling Dinosaur Adventureland that they should turn their cafeteria into McDinos. <laughs> Jeremiah, That's a do good you miss idea, it there? Jeremiah. Do you miss it there at all? Oh, I miss it so much. It was it was my dream to work there. Um, yeah, I woke up every day just you know serving God and being excited to you know do whatever was needing to be done next. Um, the views, the just getting away from it all and not having to deal with money really at all was was just amazing. But you know, family, 
family started taking a higher role and I needed to, you know, make sure I sure. could provide for myself. So you're right, man. Well, when I first met you on November of, in November of 21, Jeremiah, I could just see instantly that you loved being there. You had this glow, you had this look on your face. You know, I love being here and I love being the hospitality guy. You just, you had an about you. It was uh, my dream. Yeah. And after a year and a half of being there, I'll say I loved virtually every day of it. I mean, we had a little bit of drama and there were, you know, just like oh, yeah. any, you know, community of people, there was definitely people who didn't like each other and rub each other the wrong way. But like, you can't was, avoid that. Yeah, like it was just so great as far as an atmosphere and an environment and you got to live out your Christian life every day and it really strengthened you and kind of, you know, just like made you more like culturally Christian even. Yeah, because it, reinf you, it reinforced You get the world rubbed off on you and like when you, when you go and put yourself in a situation like that, the world can't rub on you anymore. And I feel like mm -hmm. maybe God was like, okay, now that I, you know... Now that I put you back with the rest of the salt, and now you're, you know, getting, a, you know, as salty like a Christian, I need to take you back out and put you back in the world and use you somewhere else. But yeah, it's like, and you know, you hear that all these people talk about DAL and a bad light. And me being there a year and a half and getting to see everybody inside and out like that, I'll just say a lot of the people there have true hearts for Christ and would never want to do you wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's just a great place. Same for my, same for my two months of being there. Uh, very, very great place. Uh, I wouldn't hesitate to visit. I wish, I wish more atheists would show up. Well, and I'll tell yeah. you, my family was there at the beginning of the big epidemic. We all survived and we were totally sheltered from it. We knew about face masks, but we didn't really understand what was going on with that because it didn't affect us. We stayed at camp except once a week to go into town Man, it was great. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. we walked around in total freedom at camp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, didn't you do a Walmart run about every once a week? We would do a Walmart run about once a week, and we'd go out to eat while we were in town. Yeah, yeah. But like Jeremiah was saying, dude, you have no worries about money, and it, it was great. Um, yeah, as, as long as you knew your place and you know you uh, you follow place. that sounds terrible. You, you I got what you mean though. You um, gotta know your you gotta know your place there. Like sometimes you don't run it. That's what you mean, right? Yeah, you you can't like some people know your tell place. Ken Listen to the bishops. Some <laughs> people want to tell Ken Hoven, you know, how to run his place and everything like that. It's it's Ken Hoven's place. Just know your place. Uh, get along with people. Be respectful. And uh, give glory to the Lord, and you'll have a wonderful time there. You will have an excellent time. Yeah. The only thing, the only concern I would have uh, concerning Kent is, um, <clears throat> I mean, it is possible. I'm not saying he's doing this. I can't get in his head, but uh, you have to be careful because a lot of uh, ministers and evangelists and pastors they've made their ministry into an idol, and I, you know, I hope that really ultimately he has to view it as God's ministry. It belongs to God. Oh, and he, he totally like does said, that. He, he does that. He does that. Yeah, I, I think uh, feel like maybe he's a little proud of what he did, but I mean, who wouldn't be? Yeah, well, who wouldn't be? I, you I, know I, what? I, I, think, I would be proud head over heels over that. If, if that was what I did and that's what I achieved, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, it'd be hard not to say, God, look what I did. You I know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know. It's, he needs to it's, be careful because... God humbled him once already, you know, he allowed, 
yeah. the government to wrongfully um, humble him because he had well, a really big head back when he was doing his seminars. And it was a terrible thing. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I don't ever want God to humble him again. No, I don't either. And, you know, creating I, our, creating idols is one of the hardest things not to do. I notice you, you, you have a, you have a very, um, you're, I, I making idols and idolizing people is weighs very heavy on your mind. I guess maybe because you had a personal experience with it and I did, I did. Um, you know, I, there's this young man I worked with that I, developed a strong emotional attachment to and um you know he turned on me and when he did i didn't think i'd done anything wrong what did i do i i was respectful i didn't try to be more than friends and so i didn't think i'd done anything wrong and it wasn't until this year that i realized that i did sin concerning him and it was creating an idol out of him that was my sin and, and I so realized that, uh, I had several idols. I had mm-hmm. college football was a huge idol in my life. Um, mm-hmm. Republicanism was a gigantic mm-hmm. idol in my life for Absolutely. the majority of my life. And even patriotism. Like it's fine to be patriotic mm-hmm. and love your country and support the troops. But I took it too far. You know, like 4th of July was my favorite holiday. And it, I just... It was an hold, for me. Hold up. You said Republicanism. Yep. Like you're referring to like being a fan of the Republic Party or something? Or like Yes. Like mm-hmm. I watched every Republican debate uh going as far back as I could. Um I've watched the early Kennedy debate when Kennedy was debating Nixon. Like I knew all the history. Like I loved the GOP. Yeah. And I Except see what you're saying because I'm from the South. Well, you know, it's funny, Proverbs guy. Um, when I was living in my condo, I I had direct TV satellite service, and the TV was on Fox News every night. Mm-hmm. And now that I live here, I don't have that. And so now I'm mostly watching Christmas, uh, excuse Christian YouTubers. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, that's where the focus needs to be is on christ-centered things and not Amen. so much politics um because almost every day i'm tempted to make a political post like you know i tempted to say you know brandon fiddles while maui burns i have a you personal know? rule that i only post on youtube uh on facebook scripture <laughs> or i post yeah. about our shows yeah yeah i you know i i have to stop myself you know mm-hmm. when i want to when i want to say something like that um it, it's it's hard, but but you know I I just want to keep it about Jesus. And one thing that Eli Yoder does that I really admire is he makes these very uh, these very spiritual posts on Facebook where he quotes scripture and he has like almost like a little mini sermon. And unfortunately, I don't have time to read most of them, but he'll have a post about this long where it's filled with scripture, and he does this every day, almost uh, sometimes several times a day. And I really admire him for that. I meant to tell him that, but. Um, Hey, Stump's here. I just noticed. I Welcome, just Stump. Him. I, love him. I just now saw hello, you. Hello. hello were were you able to watch? Uh, were, you, were you able to watch Brother Eli Stump? Yeah, I did watch a bit of it. It's interesting. Good. He is amazing. And Dustin, and I'm, you didn't I'm, ask I'm, I'm any so questions. 
I don't have any questions, really. That That's kind of a situation. I mean, I understand that you have a need to live your own life. Um, I, I watched some of his earlier videos, and I didn't like the way he was regarding his parents. I didn't really have much to say. You, What were you saying regarding his parents? You didn't like the way? What now? Some of his earlier videos kind of put me off because of the way he was talking about his parents. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, he he loved I mean, his dad, he loved his dad. He loves his mom, but she uh she loves uh the her church more than she loves him. Um and that's hurtful to him. Uh, well, she and, loves and I understand that. That's all good and well. It's just I don't agree with him on every point, and it's yeah. not worth confronting him over it. So, oh know, yeah, it it is what it is. Would you consider okay. converting to Amish so that you can leave the community and be able to see from his shoes? Well, no, I, and that's the other thing is that I wouldn't have any basis for comparison for his point of view. So if I couldn't be honest about his perspective, I don't think I should interject mine. Yeah, it's probably probably the best way to go about it if you don't if you if you're not aware of the situation. Sometimes it's best to just listen instead of you know interject because we don't we don't know we don't know the relationship with his family and everything like that and especially in that community things get extra critical so yeah. it's hard it's hard to say whether what he did with his family was a right thing or the wrong thing to do because it's uh, so complicated with all the rules that they have sometimes it's probably best just to be silent on the matter and just listen so I don't blame you. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I tell you, Christian Pike sure does take a lot of fun family vacations, doesn't he? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> why the trips. that's why the chicken crossed the road because his name was Christian Pike and he was running. Oh, that's <laughs> not fair. Oh. He actually has a debate coming up with Nathaniel from Tomorrow's End, the band I interviewed tonight. Oh, yeah. Tonight. That'd be yeah. good. He's got a debate, and it's going to be awesome. About what? Um, uh, it's about the law. Oh, boy. <laughs> Why do you say um, it like that, Lupin? We've never had that debate on this channel ever. Are you being sarcastic? No, I'm not. We've never had that debate. We've we've brought it up in conversations okay. a couple times. But I'm talking about this is an official debate between Christian and Nathaniel. Okay, maybe I'm getting maybe I'm getting uh, conversations and uh, debates confused cuz sometimes it's hard to tell they kind of blend in with each other sometimes. Well, with the debates, there's only 3 of us up there. The two people debating and me moderating. Like, I've done Christian and Stump. Uh, Christian has debated Kent twice. Um, you've you've watched those debates. Yeah. It'll be the same format, just the three of us. 
Yeah, it's just sometimes, just sometimes on here, we'll just be conversation, conversating, and then sometimes you'll throw up your little debate splash screen and everything. And sometimes it just it evolves into <laughs> it evolves into an impromptu debate. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do that. Okay, so if you're counting that, then yes, you are correct, and I'm wrong. Because I, I wasn't considering mean, that. So there's just, those like spur the moments when we're all in a room and two people are going at it. And I'm like, all right, we're going to make it official with rules. Ding, so ding, ding. Fair, man. Yeah, fair. You you did get me there. I mean, always, but yeah. Um, uh, just What Christian Pike is the only man I know who would wear a long sleeve button up shirt to the beach in the summertime. <laughs> did That's he? kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, at Orange Beach. He and his family went to Orange Beach, and he's wearing that trademark long sleeve shirt. Um, God bless him. That man stands <laughs> yeah. by his convictions. I'd want I, to talk I, to Christian. Go ahead. I say, and I once wore a, a jacket at Myrtle Beach, but it was February <laughs> and it was cold. And I know it's illegal <laughs> in Pennsylvania, but uh, it's for charity. And I consider myself a great philanderer. <laughs> okay. Well, one thing I want to, whenever Christian gets on one of these days, I just, I, I want to talk about uh, some things like, like heresy and maybe things that we might think uh, of like heretical statements that maybe some people have said, I, I probably said some, I know I've heard, I know I've, what I, I've heard some that I consider to be heretical and everything like that. From and who? all of us, <laughs> I, I think we're all almost guilty of it. I'm not going to lie. I think if you if you would ask me, I would say Christian had to be probably one of the worst offenders. I got a, kind of a little list that I'm building I, up. I, what's on your list, if you don't mind me asking? I'm not putting you on the spot, I mean, so that's, you cannot that's gonna, answer that, if you don't want. That's going to spoil the fun. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I mean, there is doctrine where I disagree with him on, um, especially with free will versus predestination. But let me let me give you an example. I'll give you one example. I'll give you a little teaser. How about that? Sure. So you know how we're talking about the Nephilim and the giants and everything like that. See, and and Chris. Uh, okay. Yeah. The, oh no, it sounded like the audio went out. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Christian was like, "Man, y'all gotta quit believing the giants." You know, like. Rome that there were like literal giants and everything it's like wait a minute why would we have to why would we have to denounce that when in the bible it describes giants we have we have images and sculptures of giants we have <laughs> i i i'm not gonna hold his feet to the fire and here's why um if he was to acknowledge giants he would be outcast from the evolution so that's 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 the thing okay that's the biggest issue that i have with christian is that christian is a perfect example of the christian who wants to be on both the side of the bible and the side of like the evolutionist scientist kind of thing so much to a point where he'll twist the word of god to make it try and fit the uh the scientific and uh evolutionary side when we uh, most of us have agreed that there's some things in the bible that cannot be um explained through science yeah at a certain point you got to pick a side 
Yes, but I, I want to acknowledge that I know for a fact he loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all his heart, and he is a servant of the Lord, and I know he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I do differ with him on multiple points of doctrine uh, and other points like evolution. Um, he believes in the whole model. I believe in speciation, and that's where we draw lines differently. Um, but I do think because he believes in that narrative, he does have to make a lot of concessions. And I believe when he has to make those concessions, more often than not, he takes them from the word. But he will find a way to, with scripture to try to justify it. So you think that what I said it, it was kind of an accurate statement? Uh, that, that he yeah, tries to be I think it was. I think it was a little harsh, maybe. But it was it was a, several of the points were accurate. I mean, I'm not condemning him or anything like that. Uh, I just I think it's kind of because, like I said, I, even I I may have said some heretical statements. I think, but for me, it's kind of either out of a lack of uh, knowledge or maybe uh, understanding, and I may say something, and I may be her, say something heretical. Um, not not intentionally knowing the the difference between Christian is he claims to be a scholar and and learn it on these things, which I think is a little bit different because he's claiming to have an authority on it, and I think I that puts think a little he bit claims more. To be a scholar, um, I mean, he, he admits he's not been through seminary. He's self taught, and and he is very knowledgeable. Uh, so I don't want to make him sound like a country bumpkin either. I thought I heard different. I thought he like I thought he studied like he's taking classes and everything like that. Uh, well, he studied like well, for school, like with evolution. He studied a lot of books in all, for science. In all fairness, Christian is a country bumpkin, though. Well, he's southern, but he's not a country bumpkin. Like he's capable of more than milking a cow. That that boy's clever. So I'd uh, personally love to have a discussion with him about abiogenesis and evolution myself. I'm not one of these type of folks that's going to say if you have some unusual thoughts outside the Bible that this just suddenly hurts your salvation or something. But I would love to get into an in-depth conversation on that. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not trying to come off as rude or, or mean or anything. Like I said, I probably I think there's been a point at one time where all of us have said something heretical, whether we're aware of it or not, you know. Uh to be to be fair. Um there's just some things that Christian says that uh I want to have a conversation with him about. Not necessarily a debate, but just a conversation. Luke and I used to have some really wrong beliefs, mm. and the Lord has been straightening me out. Yeah, yeah, I used we're to. We're all human. Mm -hmm. Thank the Lord, we have Stump to help us along the way. Amen. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. We're thankful. You guys, for you guys don't even believe when I when I talk about creation. What you talking? About? Lewis. You know what? I, I think for the most part, that's one of the only areas we differ on, Stump. So once we get out well, of just Genesis... Just the beginning. <laughs> once we get just out of the Genesis... Beginning, we don't agree. Hey, I'm sure we're going to agree from Exodus on. I feel good about it. I doubt it. 
Yeah. If you guys really wanted to talk about the Nephilim and everything like that, man, I really recommend you guys check out some of Trey Smith's stuff. And actually, Trey, Trey Smith just uh, uploaded a couple new stuff. It's not as good as his older stuff, but uh, Trey Smith has a lot of good insight on like the Nephilim and mm. and uh, and uh, the fallen angels and everything like that. And he does a real good job of uh, taking like the uh, Enuma Elish, the the king's list the sumerians king's list uh all these other texts and then um referencing them to the bible kind of fitting them together like a like a puzzle because yeah, they're telling like trey smith he's cool trey smith trey smith is awesome like i've i've seen so many of his videos so many times and uh i can't really i really can't poke i can't find any real big flaws in what he says <laughs> His stuff and, about the universe and genetics really uh, appealed to me as well. It's uh, very interesting. Like you said, he kind of fits it together like a puzzle. It's it's pretty neat. Yeah, because we all know that the the uh, the people who write histories are the ones that win the wars. But yeah. there's still there's still other documentation from the losers. So if you can get that those, and then you can compare those to the winning the winning scriptures, which would be what's in the bible and you can you can compare them that adds validation to the actual history itself yeah yeah and uh i go ahead i was gonna say his last one i saw was about uh the expedition that was in nashville in 1898 i think it was or, or 90 something was it one was it one that was recently up to up yeah, like, like the last one like the last day or so with the uh Parthenon that they made a copy of, yeah, with, the, with yeah, with the with yeah. Athena. I didn't yeah. know that. It, I didn't. First of all, I never heard that there was exposition in Nashville. And I, I'm up on these types of things. I've never Nashville, heard that, and I didn't know they had a building there from that exposition still that uh, was a copy of the Greek Parthenon. I never knew that. I the first time I heard it was today. You've piqued my curiosity. Oh, it was excellent. I mean, if, if you're interested in like world fairs and stuff when they happen, this. I never heard of it, but yet it happened like uh, five or six years after the Chicago World Fair, which was, was 1892, and I think you said that one was 1898 in Nashville. I've never heard of it. I know they had a, another World Fair during the 80s, I believe, in, in Nashville. Okay. Um, okay. It was the Tennessee Centennial and International Exposition. It was in 1897 uh, in what is now Centennial Park. And, um, yeah, let me see if I can find the Parthalon. You're, uh, Ryan, you're yeah, in the, the South. Have you ever heard of this before? This, this, uh, not this really. Season? That's what I'm yeah, saying. I've really like been to Nashville once. I've never um, heard I'm of it. Really What's it called yeah. again? Snow? It's some well, kind of a tenure centennial or Parthenon in Nashville. Okay, never mind. I think I got it. Yeah, well, the Parthenon. Real quick in Wikipedia, it says the Parthenon replica built for the exhibition was made of temporary materials. Because of its popularity, it was reconstructed in permanent materials in a project lasting from 1920 to 1931. Uh, today, it is used as an art museum. Among its exhibits is Alan LaCroix's 1990 recreation of the Athena Parthenos statue. And, of course, then it says, and I knew about this one, nearly a century later, the United States held the 1982 World's Fair in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, of course, the Sun Sphere survives from... From that one, and uh, is, is my screen being shared? Hmm? Is my screen being shared? 
I no. don't. It's not not yet. Not now. I see you it over have, here, but you may have to click on it, Ryan, to share it. Oh, okay, okay. I'm I'm doing that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Are these all different Parthenon replicas around the world, or is it just one picture? No, this, this this is the one in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh wow, that's very nice. I did not know it was there. This is that little statue in her hand. It's six feet tall. So imagine how big that, that statue is. Just the little the mm. little one, the angel looking thing is the one in the hand. Supposed to be Nike, I think. Be Nike. Nike. Yeah. It's six feet over six feet tall. So imagine how mm. huge that statue is. In the building that yeah. houses that statue. That's really cool. I, I was not aware of that. Um <coughs> I've never heard of this building. You know, people think of Nashville, they think of the grand old opry and country music, but there's more to it than that. Yeah, definitely more to it than that. Yeah, if uh, if if you can tolerate, like me personally, I really like Trey Smith's like storytelling. Like, I I like the quirky kind of like way he tells the stories and everything like that. So it doesn't mm -hmm. bother me. I can definitely understand that some people might be turned off by that. But if you if you can either if you either enjoy it or you can tolerate it. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting uh, knowledge that they have on that, especially whenever it comes to like the bloodlines and and the Nephilim and and uh, you know some of the apocryphal books like uh, Enoch and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I would like to know more about some of that stuff. It's interesting, but uh, guys, people are starting to drop like flies. Do you want to go ahead and call it a night? Oh yeah, I think I do. Yeah, yeah we can. You can do that. Yeah, let All me right. uh, say a prayer real quick. All right. Um, if y'all don't mind. Dear Lord, I just come to you humbly now, and I, I just want to thank you for, for tonight. I know that you, you moved tonight through Eli and through the things that he said, and I know your spirit was among us, and I just pray that all of those who watch this after tonight will be blessed by you and ministered. And if anyone watches this who doesn't know you, I pray that you will do a work in their heart, Lord, and draw them to you. I just pray all this in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Right, good night, brother. Uh, good, good night. night. Good, good, good to see you, Ryan Stump. Yeah. Dustin. Yeah. Good night, God bless. God bless y'all.